bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way Hello and welcome to episode 148 of the Corinne Ninja podcast. I wasn't sure I was going to get an episode to you this week, but thankfully the lovely Andrea Sarita agreed to come and join me as a guest at the last minute. So I'm so grateful to have her on the show this week. And she is sharing her story of how she went from weighing around 315 pounds and having a diagnosis of fatty liver disease, type 2 diabetes, and just not feeling great, hypothyroidism as well, to now being just a beacon of health and vitality. And I love stories like this. As you know, I love sharing hope stories. And this one I really found fascinating for all of you out there who are like, well, you know, my husband won't want to, you know, go oil-free or my ch- I've got four children and they all want to eat differently. And it can be a real challenge as a family who have been eating a certain way, the standard Australian diet or the standard American diet for a really long time. And, and one member desperately wants to, you know, transform their health and their life. But there's five members who haven't yet received a diagnosis of chronic illness or who haven't yet Um, become overweight or obese so that they don't really have any motivation or intrinsic desire to to change their behaviors and to change the food that they're eating. If that's you and you're just you're feeling like you're quite alone amongst your family, Andrea's story is really, really wonderful for that. Not that she was alone by any means and her husband jumped straight on board with her. But, you know, when you have four children who are at varying ages and stages of their development and they have peer struggles with their, you know, with their peer groups that mean that they really, not so much struggles, but I mean they have, they're at ages where they want to belong to their peer group. It can be really difficult to turn a house vegan overnight or to turn a house plant whole food plant-based overnight even more so. We talk a lot about the difference between veganism and whole food plant-based eating in this episode. There's lots of great, great things. And Andrea is now a health and fitness coach. Fanta- <laughs> She's fantastic. She's been so active the whole time, even at her heaviest. And she's just an inspiration, honestly. Uh you can you can find Andrea at Andrea Sarita Health and Fitness on social media and andreasarita.com is where you can find her website. She's doing a lot of online classes and things and coaching over on social media and on her website, but I think she's taking a six-week break at the moment. So just head over to the show notes and you can follow her on social media and head to her website and then you'll be updated about when her classes are going back online and when all of her new awesome projects are going to be released. So yes, definitely go over and give her a like on Facebook, on Instagram and follow her YouTube channel and find out more from her because she is 
really has such a great mindset and has so many wonderful tools for you on your own health and weight loss journey. So thank you all for listening. And I hope this this episode really helps those of you who, you know, find it a bit of a challenge to to take that first step or to continue or to try again if you've fallen off the wagon. There's there is never the perfect time. As Andrea mentions in this episode, you know, fall down seven times, stand up eight. That's all you have to do. So I think that's a really, really great quote from her. And I don't think it's her quote, but I loved it. So I'm just using it here because it's great. So if you're falling down 7,000 times trying to adopt a whole food plant-based diet, maybe this episode might be the inspiration for you to stand up that next time, that eighth time. All right. Love you all. Have a great day. I'll see you at the end of the episode. Bye. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show. Thank you for inviting me. I'll do a little introduction, but this first question that I generally ask all of my guests is to start at the start. When Where did the story start? And not just when were you first diagnosed? Like what were the signposts along the way for you getting – were there any or was, what was your diet like in childhood? Like how sure. – where were things – when did things begin for you, do you think? So, I mean, my my struggles with weight and my body started when I was a child. So I just was always very um, aware of my size from like the age of about six years old. Um, I was overweight. And, and throughout my life, I followed a standard American diet at that time. I my family had the meat and potatoes and two different kinds of frozen vegetables that typical North Americans here eat. I hadn't even tried like peppers until I was in like, you know, in, in university. So we had a, a fairly standard American diet. And then um, my weight fluctuated, but it was, I was always overweight. So I would move between overweight and obesity um, from, like I said, age about six until well into my 20s. And I tried a number of things. As early as nine years old, I started to try and do lots of exercising and um, restricting what I was eating. I would read diets in my mom's magazines and, and try those sneak food and really developed a bit of a disordered eating pattern over over my teen years, nothing that I think would be diagnosable as an eating disorder, but certainly not anything that was a healthy, sustainable approach to nourishing my body. And when I was in university, I started to feel really tired and sluggish. And I went to the doctor and, and, and I should note, like, I've always loved to be active. Like it never mattered what my size was. I always loved being active. So I did dancing when I was a kid, despite the fact that I was, you know, um, overweight and couldn't always keep up with some of the other girls my age. I was never really on any sports teams. I was told from a pretty young age that I wasn't very athletic, but I still really liked moving. So even in university, I, I joined the gym and, and again, like I would lose a bit of weight, but I was still overweight and then, and then rebound and gain some more. But when I was feeling really tired and sluggish, I went and had some tests done and they said, well, you're borderline hypothyroid. But uh, we'll just kind of keep an eye on it. And it got worse. My symptoms got worse. My neck swelled. My face was swollen. My, uh, yeah, it just felt terrible. Cold all the time. 
And so eventually uh, I decided since they weren't going to give me any medication, they said it was thyroid or diabetes. And so they just basically left me to my own devices. And I thought, well, what is the healthiest diet that, so that I can manage some of my symptoms, lots of digestive issues, problems with constipation and things like that. So I found, they said, well, a vegan diet, but that seemed very extreme to me. So in university when resources were limited and food sources were somewhat limited. So I thought, well, maybe I could be vegetarian because my background is Dutch. So I thought I'm practically made out of cheese and dairy. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I can give up dairy as well. So, but vegetarian, I felt like, well, maybe I could do that. So I started sort of slowly. I just thought, well, maybe if I just give up, I'm going to try, see what happens if I don't eat beef for the next couple of weeks and see if I miss it. And I didn't. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll try chicken. So I gave up chicken and then I didn't really miss that either. So I thought, well, and then I'm going to give up fish and and seafood because if I am somebody that only eats fish and seafood, that's all they're going to give me. And I don't really like it. So that was an easy one to get rid of. But the dairy stuck around for a long time. Eventually, I saw an an internal medicine specialist and she was actually uh, vegan, which that was a that was a. Wow. Fortunate. That was fortunate happenstance. You know, like I just thought, wow, this is great. So she actually treated my subclinical hypothyroidism with some Synthroid, hoping that it would make me feel a little bit better. And it did make me feel a little bit better. But for a long time, I thought, well, that was the reason. The reason that I was overweight and obese all these years was because I had an underactive thyroid. And now I'm going to take Synthroid and the weight is magically going to melt away, except that it didn't because there were so many other factors involved. And so um, I kept on trucking and you know, went to Weight Watchers multiple times, the grapefruit diet, the cabbage soup diet. Um, I tried, it all still vegetarian. Like I was, after I decided to be vegetarian, that was that. Like I was, I, I had learned enough that I wasn't able to unlearn any of it. And I was quite committed to that lifestyle. And, and then I met my husband who's also vegetarian and had spent parts of his life also as a vegan, but, uh, mostly he was, he was vegetarian when I met him and he had sort of said, you know, maybe you should give up dairy and, and wheat. Maybe though that's what's, cause I still, things still weren't great. My digestive system still wasn't great. I still didn't have a lot of energy and I was still very overweight. And so again, I said, no, that's a little bit too crazy. So I got pregnant with my with my first child. And I will say that when I married my husband, I got the bonus package. So when I met him, I also became a parent to a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And so I was an instant parent. And between getting married and becoming an instant parent, um, I did put on some more weight, even eating what I thought was a fairly healthy vegetarian diet. Then I got pregnant and I had lots of issues with breastfeeding, probably due to insulin res- some insulin resistance that I was experiencing. So, um, and when I got pregnant with my son, AJ, I think I was, a, I was over 200 pounds, so I'm about 5'9", probably like 230, 240. And then after he was born, lots of issues with breastfeeding. So they put me on, um, they put me on a medication, on Peridone, that was going to help with milk production but it also makes you hungry all the time it's a stomach emptying drug so they it's actually a a, a drug used for gi um issues gastrointestinal issues and when they gave it to a bunch of seniors 
they found that they started lactating. So they said, hey, let's use this for women who are having a hard time producing breast milk. So I was on a full dose of this for uh, for quite a while, gained quite a bit of weight. When I got pregnant with my second baby and fourth child, so because I had my two stepkids and then AJ and my daughter, when I became pregnant with my daughter, I was 252 pounds, I remember that, and I actually lost quite a bit of weight in my first trimester because I, I was eating uh, just whatever it was that my body, I've I felt like my body wanted. I wasn't forcing myself to eat more than I, I needed. And second pregnancy, I was a little bit wiser, maybe. I don't know. I wasn't eating for two. <laughs> I did the exact same thing. First pregnancy, I was just eating for everyone. I was eating for 10 babies, like I was having triplets. And <laughs> yeah. Octuplets. Yeah, exactly. And then second baby, I was like, actually, I don't need to do that. <laughs> I better stop doing that. Exactly. It was much better, much better. Yeah. So the first trimester, I actually lost a bit of weight. And when she was born, I was about 260 pounds, but then my weight kept creeping up. And again, issues with breastfeeding. But in the last, in the three years prior, they had done some trials and found that metformin, taking metformin, which is typically used to treat uh, type 2 diabetes, would help uh, with milk production because it helps manage the insulin resistance. So my breastfeeding specialist said, let's try you on this. And I had just squeaked by the diabetic screening during pregnancy, but after um, my daughter was born uh, and we started, I was using the metformin for breastfeeding and I wanted to come off of it because she was now 15 months old. And I thought, you know what? I'd like to come off of some of these medications. I was on that Domperidone again, that full dosage of that breastfeeding drug. So starving eating all the time, hungry, but taking the diabetes medication. Well, well when, when we went to go and take me off of the medication, my physician said, no, you're actually type 2 diabetic at this point. And I was probably 275 pounds or so. And he just felt, he said, he, his exact words were, in order to protect your pancreas, we need to keep you on this medication. So I was 36 years old. I had four children and I thought, no way am I going to have diabetes. Like, this is not going to happen. I didn't exactly know what to do about it yet, but I knew that I needed to do something. And then around that time, I was invited to be on. And so then I saw Forks Over Knives. This was us. So I came home. I'm like, I, we got to do something. And my husband again said to me, should we again consider the dairy? Because it might be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and so Love we decided it. to watch. Yes, very. We said, okay, let's watch Forks Over Knives. So we watched Forks Over Knives and we decided, like, I remember it turning off and we both sort of slowly turned to one another and said, okay, we can't, again, I can't unlearn what I've just learned. We need to find a way to do this. And so we started off by by deciding we were not going to rep we were not going to throw out the things that we had in our home, but we weren't going to replace them when they ran out. So I wasn't going to go and pour all of the jugs of milk down the drain because I felt like an animal was affected because I purchased this, and for it to go down the drain was almost wor like was almost worse. And whether that was right or wrong in retrospect, I don't know. But for us. That made me feel better about like, okay, we're going to use it and, and then that's it. Never, and we're not going to replace it. So we did really well, except that I gained 30 pounds. 
doing that because you know (laughs) my attitude was like well if if i'm going to be vegan i'm practically promised weight loss because all vegans are very slim and very lean and so those cupcakes are vegan so i'm going to have one of those and oh look this is accidentally vegan this apple pie i'm going to have a piece a larger piece of that because it's vegan how could anybody be overweight and vegan? It's just, you know, even my mom cautioned me. She said, well, don't be one of those gray vegans. You know, the kind that look very emaciated and very gaunt and very unhealthy and unwell. And their skin is gray. Well, don't be a gray vegan. I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what that means. I do know what that means. You do see them. She's right. <laughs> you do, for sure. But I've also seen that a lot of people who are vegan, who are overweight, as a matter of fact, and I certainly was, my best guess is that I weighed about 300 pounds at my highest weight, plus or minus five pounds, probably more. Like It could have been as high as 315. I don't know, because I didn't weigh myself. I couldn't bring myself to weigh myself until I was able to lose a little bit of weight. So so we, we saw forks over knives. We started eating vegan, which is, I learned is different than plant-based. We were having vegan ground round, vegan chicken burgers, which is funny because we had lived as vegetarians for years. So it's not like we were big because my, so my husband has never eaten meat. His parents were not vegetarian, but he just he said he calls me born again. So he says that like he's lifelong and I'm a born again, okay, vegetarian. So he never missed the mock meat. He never had it. Even now, if every once in a while I'm like, oh, I really have a hankering for uh, veggie meatballs, right? He no thank you for him because he never had it to begin with. So for whatever reason, when we went vegan, we started having some more of these type. When we tried all the vegan cheeses. And we, you know, all of those things. Yeah. So I, I got invited to be on a local television station here to talk about baby sign language because I'm a sign language interpreter. Here is one of the things that I do. I remember I bought an outfit for it. So I knew what size I was. I knew what size I had bought. But when the camera went live and there was a monitor right in front of me and I saw what I looked like, it it seriously knocked the wind out of me. I didn't recognize that person. It's not at all who I thought I was. And there was nothing wrong with that size. You know, I'm not saying that, that I wasn't beautiful and that I, I mean, I did, I looked beautiful. It just, it wasn't me. It wasn't how I saw myself. And I almost couldn't talk. Like it really knocked me off my game on that little spot that I did because it was, it was such a surprise to me. And so I remember crying the whole way home. I mean, like, I don't know what to do. When you see those images of yourself, like when I look back at photos of myself on my wedding day or photos of myself, you know, at my heaviest, and like, I just didn't, I just, I was aware that I was that size. Like you say, I was aware that I was a size 18 here and I was, so you know, really overweight, but I just, photos in tv again it's like even worse it's just such a rude shock because you're in your body and you don't really really see yourself until you're confronted with those images yes and i think you know for a long time like i can remember not long before that 
we had these family photos taken. There was a new photographer I wanted to support their business. And they were having these mini photo shoots. I hated all of them. You know why? Well, she was a new photographer. The angle was bad. Not the angle. Every angle was bad. No, it's just that I wasn't ready to accept that that's, that that's where I was, you know, and that that's the size that I, I wasn't able to, I wasn't ready to believe that and see that. But like you said, with TV, there was no denying it. It was like, it didn't matter what the angle was. It was, <laughs> it was there. And I, and I, when I look back and I watch that footage now, I can see that moment when I saw myself in the monitor and I sit up taller and I try to fix my blouse and I try to, you know, check. and it didn't matter. It didn't matter that I was, I was faced with the reality that that's, that's mm-hmm. where I was. So mm-hmm. I cried the whole way home, but it was, it was okay because I thought, you know what? It's okay because I, th- today is the very last day that I am going to be this size. And, and we think it starts tomorrow and I don't know what I'm going to do because I'm already vegan. I mean, how health, how much healthier can I get? Right. So I'm like, you know what? We need to go back and we need to watch Forks Over Knives again. So we watched it again. I watched it again. And the other thing that I had missed in my first watching of it was the whole part about the oil, really taking the oil out and really looking at oil the same way that as added fat, in the same way that we look at refined sugar as added sugar. And once I wrapped my head around that, I was like, okay, so let's, let's try and really reduce the oil and look at foods in their whole form as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I did, just because even though I had spent my life up until that point, so 30 years, right? I was 36 at And I had started when I was about six years old, trying to figure out how to make my body smaller, healthier, faster, fitter. I really did not understand caloric density and the energy value of foods. And so I started to also look at my fitness pal because I thought, so I used an app, my fitness pal free app. And I thought, I'm just going to see what happens if I track because I will. I was eating what I thought was a fairly healthy diet. And I'm like, I am missing something. And so in the first week, it became very clear to me what it was that I was missing. I was eating high fat vegan foods. I was eating because we I had been eating peanut butter with the added sugar and the extra hydrogenated vegetable oil, oh, like oh, the brand here is craft. But I had I had changed to a natural peanut butter. I had, I had changed, I had changed a lot of those things already. So I was so puzzled. Well, it turns out that even natural peanut butter is very, very high in calories. And so I was taking a piece of multi-grain, whole grain bread with all the seeds, you know, I call it, we call it squirrel bread, you know, like it's got all the right things in it. And then I was slapping a hundred, 150 calories of mostly fat onto the bread. So I didn't, and it's not that I don't eat those things now, mm. but I eat them in much smaller portions. Yeah. And so I just started diving into what do I need to eat to feel full? First of all, how does hunger even work? Oh, okay. So hunger works by not only, you know, the brain doesn't need to just have enough nutrients. The stomach also needs to have that feeling of fullness. So I discovered I really like to eat a large volume of food. And this is why whole food plant-based eating works so well for me. Because when I have a snack, 
a I think a snack. <laughs> it is a whole head of romaine lettuce and a whole pepper, and it's like this massively large salad, but it's very low in in calories because it's all foods that are low in caloric density. So I really try to ingest that and live by that. Um, and that was one piece of forks over knives that really hit home for me is that bulking up just everything with fruits and vegetables, you know, and that, and that is going to give me that sense of fullness, stretch my stomach just a little bit so that I feel satisfied Yeah. because what I was doing before to say, well, I better have a very nutritious snack. So I will grab a handful of almonds, which almonds, I'm sure they're packed with nutrition, but they're not making me feel full. At the end of that, I've had all the calories I need, but I'm still feeling that sense of hunger because my stomach isn't full. And so I had, it was a lot of trial and error at first, but after I made the switch to more whole food, um, whole food plant-based, reduced the oil, which was not a hit in my house at first, I will tell you. Yeah, so it's the worst thing for my husband. He, he resisted, but now it's good. As did mine, but also now it is good. So he he actively resisted. I had to make my food separately. At the time, I was doing most of the cooking. Now he's doing most of the cooking, and he does an awesome job with minimal, if any, oil, water sautéing, so quick spritz of, you know, um, of cooking spray or whatever. Uh, but in the beginning, he was, no, 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 we need healthy fats. And this is what he learned from his parents, who were, one was a family physician, his father is a family physician, and his mother was a nurse. Healthy fats, healthy fats, healthy fats. Mm-hmm. And I said, we get healthy fats. We get health, if we want healthy, all if we want the healthy fat from Olive oil, we just have to eat the olive instead of just having the oil. And so at first he was, he, I don't, he said, I don't like this. This is too much. This is too far. You're taking things too far. And I had asked him to keep an eye on me because he knew of my history. And he knew that I had had some, some struggles with some unhealthy eating patterns in the past. But after I lost about 90 pounds and he saw that I was thriving and feeling better than ever, he sat down with me and said, okay, so we got to cut out the oils and show me what you're doing on my fitness pal there. And so for me, it was really the combination of using a way of, of tracking what I was eating coupled with the whole food plant-based diet. That was really the winning combination for me. And a lot of people can go and just transition to a whole food plant-based diet. And that's more than enough for them. And they are able to achieve their best weight that is uh, one that is sustainable where they can enjoy their lives. For me, though, um, I had been so out of touch with what my body needed that I just needed a little bit of guidance and a way to kind of keep track and make sure that I was doing a good job. Because I didn't, in the beginning, trust myself to say when I was full, when I had had enough, when I was able to have more. and And that just helped me learn how to trust myself and listen to myself. So some people ask me how I feel about intuitive eating, and it works great for some people. But I had just had such a wonky relationship with my body for so many years that that didn't work for me. My my intuition, it was almost like I had detached from that. 
Mm-hmm. And so I needed to, now I can do a better job. I don't have to track the same way that I did before because I've learned how to listen to myself a little bit better, but yeah. I need that as a tool. Mm-hmm. I needed it as a I think it's a really wise tool to use. When people talk to me about intuitive eating, I think intuitive eating works if one, you've never ever had an unhealthy relationship with food and that your microbiome like if isn't isn't out of balance. Like the pleasure trap with Dr. Alan Alan Goldhammer and Dr. Light Doug Lyle. They're talking about, you know, that our bodies seek out, intuitively seek out the highest calorie sources of food in our area. Like that, that is, that is an, you know, biological, how we're wired biologically. But if we're wired that way and we're in a house with Twinkies, we can, we can say it's our intuition telling us to eat Twinkies, but it's not, it's something far greater than that. It's just saying this is what the, I know the highest calorie, you know, highest calorie source of food in our house is Twinkies and peanut butter. That's not intuitive eating. Like that's, you're, we are in, a, in an environment where our intuition, it can be really, really far off because we're surrounded by highly processed and refined foods. And also if we've eaten a lot of high fat, high salt, high sugar processed foods our whole life, then our pathogenic bacteria are, are are calling the shots on our cravings. So you can say it's my intuition telling me, I listen, I'm listening to my gut, but your gut is full of pathogenic bacteria. So your gut is yeah. your gut is the bad guy. It's like listening to Darth Vader telling you what to eat when he wants to kill you ultimately. Right. Absolutely. And that, that was my experience. Like I, I played around with that. Like I even, you know, I, I dabbled a bit in the whole body positive and anti-diet and it's like, you know, this isn't about dieting, but at the same time to suggest that we can eat just what our heart tells us and we will achieve optimal health. Then, then I just started feeling badly because I couldn't hear my heart and my heart was telling me to eat things that was not healthy and was not exactly. serving me. Exactly. So I, same. I had the exact I, same experience. Everyone's saying, intuit, listen to your heart, just go with your, and my heart was saying, eat that packet of biscuits. <laughs> you know? That's right. My eat heart was this saying donut. Yeah. <laughs> eat all these brownies. I'm like, okay, heart, I'll do what you're telling me. I'm eating them mindfully. <laughs> no distractions. I'm enjoying every single bite of this pastry. Exactly. Absolutely. So I, I, and I felt that also it allowed me to approach it like a scientist, which for somebody who has a, I mean, my undergraduate degree is in theater and then I have a master's degree in social work and I am like the farthest thing from a scientist. So it is not in my, it is not in me to look at just the numbers and the data. But that's what I used that tool to do is like, I'm going to approach this like a scientist and I am going to do data collection so that I can separate myself from the eating uh, in emotionally. I didn't want to have, cause I did. I'm like, I'm not relying on my intuition right now. I just need to see what the numbers are to see what I am missing and also to make sure that I'm getting all the things that I need, right? There's there, I was overwhelmed by the information out there, a paleo, the Mediterranean diet, this diet, that diet. And so I was, 
I, I knew based on everything I had read and understood that the plant-based diet makes sense, made sense, the whole food plant-based diet. But I also needed to know what my calories were, at least in the beginning. And then I read this fantastic book because I had two, type 2 diabetes and I didn't want to have type 2 diabetes. Yeah. Reversing Diabetes by Dr. Neil Bernard. Yes. And he explained, right. oh, it was so good. He explained insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes in a way that made so much sense to me. So, you know, it wasn't about limiting the carbohydrates. It was about reducing the fat in our diets so that we could unclog the fat from our cells so that our insulin receptors were able to work properly. And I did, and it worked. I did, and, and, if, and it was incredible because my family physician it told me that I would probably always be on metformin and my father had type 2 diabetes. Even though he was not overweight, he did and he was on medication and I was not willing to accept that. And this, I had, I started to seek out s- stories online, um, whether it was through the Forks Over Knives uh, website or just different places online was able to access these stories of hope. Stories of people who also had thyroid conditions, who also had type 2 diabetes. I also had non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And there were some days where my mobility was so bad I could hardly walk. The weight on my hips and my knees and my feet was too much. I could hardly move. But I found stories of hope of people who had turned their health around and found, and in the process, found a healthy relationship with food and with their bodies through a whole food plant-based diet. So I thought, what do I have to lose here? I just, I've got to make this work. And so the weight just started coming off once I figured out the whole food plant-based piece and how that was different than eating a vegan. I know. I Look, we've, I think most, many people have been there. We think that we can just, because the thing is, I guess the thing is, in 2004, when I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and I was obese and fibromyalgia and all these things, when you went vegan, there was like two things. And the two things that weren't whole foods were gross. Do you know what I mean? Like there was yeah. like one cheese and it was disgusting. So you just wouldn't eat it. And there was no pastries, no sweets, no biscuits, no nothing. And so back then you could say, go vegan and you'll be amazing because there really was only plants. But 2020, whoa, it's a different kettle of fish. And if someone tells you just go vegan and you reverse your diabetes, it's just not the case because there are vegan junk foods at every store, at every petrol station, at every every place now. Everywhere. I don't know about where you are, but where there we are. There are whole aisles. There are whole, whole aisles, whole restaurants. Yeah, there are. That are dedicated mm. to vegan junk food. Yeah. I even went to I even went to a restaurant called Vietnam. It was delicious and a lovely <laughs> treat. It was a lovely treat. <laughs> However, like you said, if somebody was... What was it called? I want to know the name now. Vegan junk food. <laughs> <laughs> it was like 10 out of 10. I'm not going to lie. Oh. But in terms of taste, in terms of taste, you know, there was, it, there was nothing healthy about the vegan food, right? Uh-huh. And it's not meant to be. It's not meant to be, right? But like it's you said... It's great for the now, animals. It's great for the animals. Good for the planet, yes. good for the animals. That's wonderful, but they're not health. They're not healthy choices. <laughs> no, any no. It doesn't matter if you deep fry if you deep fry a vegetable that it now is not really a healthful food, right? And so, 
It was once I got away from, and I really realized the difference between the two that I saw a rather rapid change in my health. It took about like my, my, my diabetes took a little bit longer to reverse than I would have thought. I had to lose over 100 pounds before uh, they were even willing to look at change at taking me off of it. But I have been off of it now for three more, three years years and my numbers are great and my liver is back to normal and I and my mobility is fantastic I have some lasting effects from carrying around an extra 150 pounds for a period of time because like I said I've always liked being active so even when I was 100 pounds overweight 150 pounds overweight 150 pounds, when I was my highest weight, it was difficult for me to be active because of my joint pain. But when I was 100 pounds overweight, I was still taking classes. I was learning West African dance. I was doing those sorts of things. So that has resulted in lasting um, wear and tear on my knees Mm. that I sometimes have to deal with. Other than that, you know, I feel I feel fantastic I feel better now than I did when I was half my age amazing I'm so happy for you Andrea that's incredible 150 pounds lost Uh, yeah at least like I mean like I said I couldn't bring myself after that television like that after the television that was in December we had gone vegan in September and I started right away to figure, like, to try and figure things out. And that first year, I only lost about 50 pounds. I figured, like, I once I weighed myself, I know I'd already lost a dress size, which when you are here, a size 22, 24, a size 2X, 3X, to go down a size actually takes quite a few pounds. Mm. Like, for me, my first, like, I figure that was about... 30 pounds probably because I know what it was to go down to my next size. Now at this weight, if I lose five, 10, if I were to gain five pounds or 10 pounds, I would feel it in my pants. But (laughs) when, when I was heavier, it would take a lot more. So, you know, if we figure about 150, 155 pounds, I lost. Oh, that's incredible. So I know that you've spoken about your husband and he's yeah. But how did your children go with your family making this transition? Was it, did your whole family yeah, do it or has it been a, have you done it gradually with your kids or how has it been? Because I know it's hard for families and people who listen always say to me, you know, we've got, you know, we've got four kids and a husband who's vegetarian mm-hmm. doesn't want to do the whole, the whole hog sounds a bit bad now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I never said that really, uh, you know and realize what it was like but it's difficult when you're a family and you're all working trying to navigate making different meals potentially you know six different meals for different kids who have different aversions and then your husband wants to eat oil and he wants to eat you know vegetarian and you're vegan so like how did you navigate that like the family dynamics of changing your diet so dramatically yeah so I think that's a great question so my husband was right on board with the vegan he was on board with the vegan. When I said no oil, it took him a while, but he came around to it. And I should mention now, he is amazing. He is actually a little bit more stricter than I am now. I did the I, same thing. They're such show-offs. Come on, let us have something. <laughs> and then he went on to lose like 70 pounds about. So he's like 60 to 70 pounds lost. And I'm like, well, 
yeah, of course you did. I was like, I figured all this out for you. And then literally handed it to you pre-measured, all healthy, no oil, whole food plant-based on a silver platter. (laughs) But I digress. (laughs) Now my kids. So we told the kids we were doing this and they were really concerned because cheese Mm. and ice cream, but mostly cheese. Okay. So we said, we're not going to buy these things anymore. And we, it was a struggle and it was a work in progress. What I have come to learn through this whole process though, is though, is that the focus needs to be on progress over, over perfection. And so if every single week, we are one step closer to being a fully whole food plant-based house. That's okay. For a long time, I didn't really want to talk about my kids because I thought, well, people are like, oh, you've lost, you know, you've lost all this weight, whole food plant-based, and but but your kids aren't. But your kids are like I didn't I take all these photos of food, but I, I would often, well, you know, Jacob has cheese on his plate, so I won't take a picture of this meal because it's not 100 percent perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? How comforting might that be to a family to know that 90 per, like 90% is better than zero. Mm-hmm. 90% is better than 10%. Yes. So this is how it works in our house. My oldest child, who's now 17, two plus years ago, decided that she also wanted to be whole food plant-based. So she is whole food plant-based right along with us. She's now 17 and she is right in there like a dirty shirt in terms of like learning about vegan cooking and plant-based cooking and baking and how to substitute applesauce and pumpkin puree for oil and her baking and whatnot. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. been really awesome. Mm. My 14 year old. I'd have to kick her out of has, my house cause she'd make me fat. <laughs> cause I wouldn't okay. be able to stop eating her cakes. Get out 17 year old. You're moving out. <laughs> It's a problem. So she makes these things. And I'm kidding, says, everyone. I hope you know I would love my daughter to let her stay. But I'm a, I'm a food addict and, and bakes goods are my Achilles heel. So I, I had to stop baking. I used to bake cakes and decorate cakes and bake all the things. And even when we make them as whole food plant-based as possible, they still have calories. And they still have – and I and like you, I am also – it's, it's very difficult to say no. If I put them, I'm like, I say, hide these and don't tell me where you put them. Exactly. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Mm-hmm. So um, my 14-year-old son, he, he still eats cheese and that's it. So he sure. does not, he does, we don't have any milk in the house. All of our, if we get a frozen treat for everybody, it's, it is dairy-free. I'm trying to think like, if there is any other example, like if he is at a friend's house and he has offered something, he will, he's 14, he's almost 15 years old. He will have it. Um, my eight year old and my. That age for boys would be so difficult to be at your friend's houses and you're prime wanting to fit in and belong to a tribe and have your people around you and. You know, I totally understand where he's coming from. How do you, as a teenage girl, if I was in that situation at 15, I would have done the exact same thing because you're just wanting so badly to fit in and hyper aware of anything that makes you not fit in and makes you the odd, odd weirdo in your area. So I I get it, but it, 
I hope that, you know, I, I'm sure that he will, he's, he's doing so well at having everything but cheese and, you know, having the odd bits and pieces at his friend's house. That's really, really yeah. good. Yes. And truthfully, he, he has not been given much of an option. Like, I just don't buy. We did try to stop buying cheese and it was, it was a full on, it was, it was something, it was a struggle. And we really did try. And I just said, you know, maybe we need to take a stepped approach Mm -hmm. and that stepped approach is taking slightly longer than we might, you know, he is 14. So he's going to his friend's houses and what he's doing there. I'm not with him all the time. Exactly. But even with our younger, our youngest two, they still will have cheese, but that's it. Now my eight year old, he is pretty awesome. Like we've, we will still make a sunflower seed based cheese, which is all made up of whole ingredients, but it is higher in fat and calories. So we're aware of that, but there's no added oil in it at all. And it's almost like an Alfredo sauce, but you can put it on top of a pizza. You can use it for a lasagna if you want that sort of thing. So he will actually prefer that to dairy cheese. So that's pretty good. Because that's opened up a lot of different types of foods for him. Mm-hmm. And with, even with my 14-year-old, it was about finding things that he could really um, buy into. So one of the things for him was I, I started with, it was actually a recipe from High Carb Hannah. And then I tweaked it a little bit to match our tastes a little bit better. And so it's, I call it nacho average queso. And it is like this nacho cheese, but it's all made of vegetables and nutritional yeast. Mm -hmm. And so once we could get him on that, well, now we could put that on some pasta and it's like a a macaroni and cheese, right? With Mm -hmm. some veggies on the side. So it's about finding some, some things that would work for him. So we're not perfect over here. We have 25% of the children have joined us. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that that's that's important to share. Like you say, this is for families who are listening and they think you just switch overnight. And I said this many, many times on this show. There's very few families who can, especially when you have four children and they weren't vegan, they were eating the standard diet, getting them to switch overnight, it's it's just not, it's almost impossible. And then to not share your story because you think that unless you're 100% and your family's this alfalfa eating, meditating, <laughs> yeah, only drinks Buddha's tears type of family, it's, un, it's unrealistic. And what you're sharing is actually a much more realistic version because what you have done is cleaned up your children's diets to it. Like you say, 90% still an A plus, you know, it's an A plus. Yeah. That's right. And I think so many people get hung up on a hundred percent, but if it's not perfect, then I failed. Mm. And, it, and that's, you know, once I could really, uh, I really figured out that it's like, even if it's not perfect, yeah. something is better than nothing. Something is you know? and better so, than nothing. I, it I doesn't don't know. Have to be 100%. Absolutely. And Josh Lajoni, he was on the show, oh, I don't know, episode, I want to say episode 73, but I might be wrong. He's fantastic. And he was just really like he's a loves football and so he was just like like it's the wins the w's on the balls not the l's that you focus on if there's more w's than l's then that's a win like you're winning if there's more w's and for your family when you look at what you've accomplished like it's definitely more w's even for your 14 year old than there are losses 
Yes. And, and for his and overall even, health, you're doing so much to prevent him from getting, you know, chronic disease, obesity later on. Because he's not always going to be in this period of his life where he's hyper-focused on being liked and being accepted. Correct. One day he will go, okay, well, all of my friends now have, you know, obesity issues and aches and pains and fatigue. My mum and dad don't. I'm going to follow the people who have the most energy and are doing the best. That's right. That's mm. right. And he's really good because he will, he will try different things, you know, even if he's, he's, and he's been picky since he was a wee little boy. That is just part of who he is and he is not love change. So for, we knew that he would be our hardest, you know, with all this. I mean, my, my six-year-old, she will eat a little bit of cheese because she sees her older brothers eating cheese, but That's she will also, if, but, but if I say to her, well, how about this? Would you like a bowl of chickpeas instead? Oh yes, please, mom. She'd much rather have a bowl of chickpeas to snack on, you know, than, than to have you know, a plate of cheese and crackers or something. So she, so she is a lot closer. Um, the girls are a little bit more malleable, it seems <laughs> with their diets than the boys. And I, I do think part of it is also just stubbornness with the boys, but, um, it's coming along. And like I said, every week we get just a little bit closer. We find something else that they really like. And and I, I feel like if we can crowd out some of the some of the less desirable things with other things that they like, then it doesn't feel so much like a loss. Absolutely. You know? Crowding out is the way to go. I think that when you add in awesome stuff that they love that's also healthy, it's just a just a win-win situation for your family because everyone's like, yeah, I have this new thing. And you're like, well, can you have that instead of this? <laughs> can you have this? Yes. Eat this instead of this now. Um, yes. And if there's something great, then, you know, like I made last night, I made these roast potatoes that I hadn't made before from a friend's recipe. And like my son still didn't like it. because <laughs> He hates potatoes because he's not mine, obviously. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, it's fun to add in new things and to go, wow, like my husband and I were like, wow, we can actually make this. Or this, is, this is the best version of a family Sunday roast that we've ever made. And it's all whole food, plant-based. Yes. This would be really good to encourage my parents. Do you know, like, we're just thinking, like, your parents might like this when they, <laughs> when they come. Yes. Yes, we have, we sort of keep an inventory, right? When we try new recipes and new foods, we're like, Oh, this is a really good show-off meal. This would be really great <laughs> for when same. we have people over, right? We always worry. It was sort of, you know, my oldest says that, well, we're known as like the weirdo vegan family, yeah. which I don't think we are. But anyway. I'm certain we, I am. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we are. You know, that was, that was one thing, though, that really, really got my knickers in a knot was when people would say, you know, so I, I would, I would go to Zumba multiple times a week. And every time I would go, I'd be a little bit smaller as I did my weight loss. And they would say, you know, Oh, wow, you're still losing weight. You still look great. Wow. How did you do it? How did you do it? And somebody say, Oh, well, she's vegan. I'm like, actually that is not, it's not just because of that, because as we know, you can be vegan. I was, I said, no, I, I was vegan and I was, 150 pounds overweight. It's not just about that. It's being, it's about eating more fresh fruits and veggies. It's about changing how my whole family eats. It's about making different decisions at the grocery store. It's about trying new recipes. It's about a, a shift in mindset from, you know, it's got to be a hundred percent. It's got to be perfect to just getting a little bit closer every single week. It's a whole lot of things. It's not just, oh, well, 
she's vegan because then people summarily dismiss it. Oh, well, I would never, that's great. I'm not doing that. No way. They don't realize that there's so much that they can do, even if they're not ready to do it a hundred percent. Yes. And that's the thing, like when you were saying about your kids not being a hundred percent, like many people aren't willing to go a hundred percent straight away. So if you can talk about how it is something that, you know, just is a, has a ripple effect that you start with one decision and then the next decision, the next decision. And you realize about the calories and you realize about the satiation, you realize about this and it's just, and then you find all the recipes that you like. And that can take a long time to start thinking, make it because we all eat about, you know, eight typical meals that we know how to make off top of our heads. It's just about finding that the eight that you're going to replace those with that are vegan. And that can yes. take a little bit of time because you play around with ones that you're like, oh, I don't like that. And I bought this cookbook and I don't like any single recipe in that cookbook. And that's a shame. <laughs> and I bought 100 more yes. cookbooks and I've got four recipes out of those now 100 cookbooks that I like. Now I have to buy 100 more to find the next four. <laughs> yes, totally. Totally. <gasps> Absolutely. Well, and, and for me too, for us, it wasn't even about replacing the recipes altogether. Mm. In some cases, it was just about, again, modifying them and and crowding out some of the foods that are higher in caloric density with foods that were lower in caloric density. So like we really enjoy a pasta meal every now and then. It wasn't about using tofu noodles or cauliflower rice or zucchini noodles instead. We still use pasta, but instead of it being a large plate of pasta with a little bit of sauce and a piece of bread on the side. It's half that size of a half that portion or a third, maybe even, and then roasted vegetables with balsamic vinegar drizzled on top and a salad. And so now half of the plate is veggies. Maybe there were some of them are grilled. Some of them are fresh and then still having that pasta. So I don't feel like I'm deprived of anything because I leave and I'm like, Oh, I'm so full because half of my meal was vegetables. Or even if I'm making a sauce, like a stir fry before, it would be lots of sauce, lots of rice, um, maybe even lots of tofu and some vegetables. Now it's a ton of vegetables, some tofu, some rice, a little bit of sauce. It was so for us too, it was also taking the recipes that we had and jimmying the proportions a little bit. So we were still having foods that we loved and we enjoyed. We knew how to prep. We modified how we prepped them a bit and then changed the proportions on our plate. Yeah. Yes. And then absolutely exploring your recipes. Such a good point. And some of the, and I love what you said about the ripple effect, the ripple effect I've seen at work. And this is where some of these show off, these show off meals. We are like, Hey, if we, if we do this show off meal, maybe it will, we don't say anything. We quietly try to lead by example. Say, look, we're not sitting here eating, like you said, alfalfa sprouts and Buddhist tea, right? We're having these amazing meals and they're are full of flavor. I, my husband always says, I don't want to cook foods that are good for, that are like, oh, this is good for a vegan dish or this is good for plant-based. He's like, I want to cook a meal that is delicious in its own right. Mm-hmm. Not, oh, well, this is good for vegan food. No, this is just good food, right? Mm-hmm. And it's actually really, we had a, we have some friends and, and they weren't ever really good friends. It was, it was, you know, an acquaintance that I knew through a group that we were both in and 
And she was diagnosed, I mentioned her in the Force of an Eyes article, she was diagnosed with uh, stage four uh, breast cancer and had to go undergo some surgery and extensive treatment and really didn't know what the prognosis was going to be. So they set up a a, a food a meal sharing in the community. And I'm, because of what she was doing, she was trying to avoid dairy. And I said, well, you know, I'm happy to make you some Indian food. And But we're following this sort of plant-based eating right now. Is this something that you might like? Well, after she tried it, she's like, okay, where do you get your recipes? How do I do this? What do I do? And so for years now, her and her family, three girls have been completely plant-based. They have traveled the world. They've gone to Cambodia and all over the place and eaten strictly whole food plant-based. Oh, and wow. See? So that was, I love that. I love, I that, love that. Like too. you said, there's a ripple effect, you yeah. know, that people see and they're like, oh, hey, what are you doing over there? And they get curious. Mm, that's awesome. So life now seems like it's much, much mm. different and better. How are you feeling? What can you do in your body that you're like, oh my gosh, this is better than it was before? Physically, like I said, I still deal with some knee stuff yeah. from time to time. Mm. But typically I'm teaching about eight high, eight fitness classes a week. And of those eight classes, I do at least one high impact class a week. So I'm doing jumping jacks and burpees and tuck jumps. I am dancing. I can remember. So I, I teach a number of different formats, including bar, Zumba, Strong Nation, which is a high intensity interval training class. And I can remember going to a fitness convention last summer and we were in this master class with the with the head lead master trainer. And I was there with all these people. And sometimes, now not so much, but sometimes I forget who whose body I'm in now mm. and what I look like now. Mm. You know, for a long time, I would like, oh, isn't that nice? I'd look at a, a dress in the store window. Isn't that beautiful? I wish I could wear something like that. I'd be like, wait a minute. I can shop in that store. Like it took over a year for my brain to catch up with what I looked like on the outside. Mm -hmm. And for me to, cause I'd never, like I said, from childhood, I had always been in this overweight body, right? So we are at this fitness convention and we're in the, the, the last 15 minutes of the class and I was on the floor and I was doing, it was hard work and I was sweating and I had tears pouring down my cheeks because I could, I would have never imagined that I would be able to do that. Mm. I'm sorry. Okay. I was, I was there. I was there with like top athletes from all over the world. And I was holding my own and I belonged there. And I could have never done that at 300 pounds. And I could have never done that on my former diet. I was sailing through that convention. I was doing the equivalent some days of a marathon in a day, if you looked at my Fitbit count, 50,000 steps in a day. And I was, I was trucking along and I was keeping up with everybody. I was asked, so we have a magazine here in Canada called Impact Magazine, and it's, it's plant-based athletes, but elite athletes from across the country. And my story came across their desk and they said, we want to hear your story. 
So I wrote it and I sent it in and they said, well, we would like to feature you as an athlete with impact. So I got to do this photo shoot with a real photographer with all my outfits. And I, again, I was so emotional because I thought, who would have ever thought that I would get to do a photo shoot in a fitness magazine? That girl that was not athletic, that was called fat as a kid by her grandparents, by the kids at school. And because of this way of living, I have a whole new life that I could have, I could have never imagined. And one that I'm so grateful for. So, I'm so happy for you. So you went and you're a social worker. So you went and retrained as a personal trainer after you lost all this weight? Okay. Well, this is the thing. So, yeah. So I I went back to school when my son was a baby. Like, actually, just before I met my husband, I got into the master's of social work program. And I thought I was going to be a counselor. Mm. And so I did that for a year. And... And then I was on mat leave and I started this whole fitness, this health journey. Mm. And I said to my husband, I want to help other people. I want to help other people who, like me, are struggling and they don't realize that by tweaking just a few things, by making a few changes, they can have an entirely different life waiting for them. So I, I said, I think I would like to be a health coach. And I can remember, he does not remember saying this to me, but he said to me, Oh, I said, that's a really neat idea, sweetheart. But, you know, people who are seeking a health coach are going to be looking at people who are like fitness models, people who are like bodybuilding champions. And I said, no, not everybody, because I wouldn't have wanted somebody like that. Mm. There, So I ignored him mm. and I decided this is, I think, what I want to do. So I went to a... Uh, my family physician was opening a new clinic and I said to him, I would like to be a health coach for your patients. And this is what I can offer. And he was very, very impressed with me. He's like, in fact, it was funny because I went to go and see a doctor. I wanted to get a resting metabolic rate test done. And the only way that they would do it is if they did a bit of an intake appointment with me, this was at a a weight loss clinic here. Uh, Like it was doctor supervised weight loss. It was under our healthcare system. And she said to me, even my bariatric surgery patients do not lose 47% of their body weight. So at that time, that's what it was. So I would like to do a battery of tests on you because I'm afraid that you have something far more serious going on. And that's the reason why you lost this weight. So she wanted to make sure that I didn't have a malignant form of cancer. And that was the reason why I was able to do this. Oh, wow. Can you believe that? I said, no, it was a whole food plant-based diet my fitness pal and moving my body. I have all, all the days of tracking to prove it to you. She still didn't believe it. And so she needed to do the testing, but my, my family physician was so impressed with me that he, he let me have an office in his, in his clinic and he referred patients to me. And some people heard here that I was doing that with, and I was also plant-based. So I got some plant-based people. Now that was when the real magic happened. When I got plant-based people that, that I was coaching they were by far the most successful people because they were able to eat until they were full and they were feeling satiated and happy. And so, so I, I did that for a while when I was overweight, I was actually a fitness, a group fitness instructor before I went through this journey ah. back in 2006. 
I became a group fitness instructor just because I loved moving and I wanted to be able to teach uh, something called the Nia technique, which was a blend of dance, martial arts and yoga is very gentle. It didn't ever help me lose weight, but it sure helped me feel graceful and beautiful and centered. And it was a mind body practice that was an important part of my story and is part of the reason why I am as good of a group fitness instructor and trainer now because of that training. Um, so I, I owe a lot to that training. And so after I lost a hundred pounds, I was going to go and become a Zumba teacher, a Zumba instructor because I loved it yeah. and it was so much fun. And so I did that. And then another friend of mine that I met through Zumba said, we need to go and do this strong training. And I said, there's just no way I can do it. And this is why I was so emotional at the convention. I said, I can't do it. I have bad knees. I am not athletic. There is no way that I can keep up with them. And she's kept bugging me. And she's like, we have to do it. You can do it. And I, I did it in part because I hated going to the gym. And I needed to fill out some of, I had a little bit of extra skin. Nothing that was too bad. I can dress for it. And it gets better with time. But I wanted to fill out with a little bit of muscle. So I became a strong instructor. And so now I am a, and then th just this year, I, early this year, I became a personal trainer. So I'm a, a personal trainer, a health coach, and a group fitness instructor. And now, and so part of, with the COVID happening, I had a full slate of classes that I was teaching and I was seeing clients at the clinic and I had to do a quick pivot and we cleared out my office and my husband, who is also a musician, helped me get set up with my technology and we turned this into a virtual studio. And so I've been streaming classes and I'm actually taking the next six weeks off to rehab a bit of a knee injury, but also because I'm going to do a grand reopening in September with all kinds of really exciting things that are, are in the works right now. So I've got a small membership base and I'm hoping to grow that. And it's going to be a one-stop health improvement shop. Everything that you need online, virtually from anywhere that people have internet. That so. is awesome. That's so That ties in with my next question, which was where can people <laughs> find you? Yeah, so I, I am on social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I'm a little, probably a little bit more active on Facebook, I, uh, although I really try to keep up with both. So I'm Andrea Sarita Health and Fitness on both. Um, and I also have a website, andreasarita.com. And I share lots on there. If I find a recipe I like, it's on there. Lots of um, I've got lots of videos. I do have a YouTube channel that is slowly growing, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a slow go to, to get everything on all the platforms, but mm. I am while it's teaching and doing certifications mm. and learning, so you know, so, but it's, it all gets up there. So Facebook is probably one of the best places to, to be in touch with me. And I post fitness stuff and, and food and mindset. Because I'm a social worker, I look at all people inter in the context of their environment. So how do we make it work for people in their situate in their particular situation? Yeah, that yeah. we have so much in common, Andrew. I'm a social worker too. It's so yeah. bizarre. <laughs> Are you? Yes. I think actually, I think that I did read that about you, and I 
And it's kind of neat how sometimes people are like a social worker that does this is it, it is more applicable than you might imagine. Yes. So perfect. Because you have to really look at people in their contexts and then unpack and figure out how to solve their problems and get them the resources and the tools that they need to survive optimally in that context. Absolutely. Which is why, you know, you can, uh, dietitians are fantastic. They're one piece of the puzzle though. And when people, I find that a lot of the clients that end up coming to see me, they've tried the dietitian, but then they're like at the end of the two weeks, like, this is great. These meals are great, but they're none of the foods that I like to eat. And, and, and it doesn't fit with my family, Mm. you know, Mm. and this, and it doesn't address the emotional piece. It doesn't address all of the different reasons why we eat, why it doesn't address the intuitive eating piece and the overwhelm with all of the information out there. And doesn't, what I, what I will work towards with somebody who has to travel a lot for work is very different than somebody who's just gone into retirement and is facing their pantry 24 seven, right? It's very yeah. Very, very different depending on the person. So, yes. So, all of the links that Andrea's just said will be in the show notes. So, click on the link to the show notes um, wherever you are, if you're on Spotify or iTunes or Stitcher app or any other podcast platform. You can just click on the link and then you'll get to the show notes and then you can find all of the links to find Andrea again. But I'll mention it again at the end of this episode. So, you will have it repeated at the start, here, and at the end. So, <laughs> Head to the show notes if you manage to miss it all three times. So, Andrea, what would be your biggest three? T- your, sorry, what would be your three biggest tips for anyone wanting to transition to this lifestyle? My three biggest tips would be that to remember that it is not a race and that it does not need to be perfect. We can make mistakes and we can get back up again. That is one of my, my one of my favorite quotes was fall down seven, stand up eight. And I even have a little tattoo on my forearm to remind me that no matter how many times I fall down, you know, that I have that opportunity to stand back up and try again. And that's what we needed. We needed to give ourselves a bit of grace when it came to transitioning to a plant-based diet, because there are, it is surprising the types of things, even now we've been doing this for a number of years. I still am surprised when I'm like, oh my goodness, I missed that ingredient or I didn't realize that, you know, so just being patient, you know, and just allowing ourselves to make mistakes and see them as a learning opportunity. Absolutely. I ate dairy a week ago by accident. I just saw the muesli slice and the kids and I were traveling and we stopped to get a little slice at a health food store and it was a muesli slice with goji berries and pumpkin seeds. And we were just going to share it. And I ate two bites and I was like, this is delicious. And I gave the kids a taste. I'm like, do you like this? Should we get two more for you? And they're like, yeah, mom. And I went inside and the lady's like, oh, these aren't vegan. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like, I don't even think Theo's yes. ever had dairy before. Like, oh, it just no. completely blindsided. It just looked like a, they're all raw vegan desserts in the fridge. They were all raw vegan. And I just saw that one and I was like, oh, this is great. It's all vegan. She's like, oh, no, that's not. Everything else is, but just not that. I was like, oh, far out. <laughs> yeah. Number two is to uh, really go for volume. So I, I hear from people that they're, but I'm going to be so hungry. Or I'm going to be hungry if I don't have protein with every meal. So 
there is protein in all the food that we eat. And once we understand that, as long as we're eating enough volume of foods, we don't need to worry about how much that we're getting enough protein for most people. Yes. So just worry about, worry about foods that are going to be filling and they're going to be satiating. Mm-hmm. And so I bulk up every snack, every meal with fruits and vegetables. They don't all have to be raw either. Does it have to be raw? No, they don't have to be raw. They can be cooked vegetables. That's fine. But I mean, cooked vegetables are still vegetables. Absolutely. <laughs> so, number three. Number three would be to, if you have favorites, try and find a way to modify them. For me, a big sticking point from going from vegetarian to vegan and then whole food plant-based was what am I going to do about my lattes? Because I love a latte. What am I going to do? As soon as I sorted that out, everything else seemed like a much smaller deal. We love certain meals out. What are we going to do about pizza? Turns out pizza without cheese is still delicious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's actually all the toppings. I thought, well, what are we going to do about Thanksgiving dinner? It turns out the turkey was the least of the meal. And it was all of, it was the potatoes and the cranberry sauce and all these things that we still have and we can still enjoy. So just trying to take mm-hmm. the meals that you already really love and find a way to whole food, plantify them. Yes. I love that. Thank you so much for joining me, Andrea. You've saved my day because I didn't have any guests for the show this week. (laughs) Thank you, pandemic. And (laughs) it was just lovely to meet you. And I I always fall in love with my guests because it's just people, you know, you don't meet people that are not only are they plant-based, but they're social workers every day of the week and that have reversed their obesity and chronic disease. So we're friends for life because we have so much in common. I'm so excited about the work that you're doing. And everyone, as we already said, you can find Andrea at Andrea Sarita. Sarita? Sarita. 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 com and at Andrea Sarita Health and Fitness. Is it end with a A-N-D or end with a symbol? On social media, it the the handle is at is is at Andrea Sarita Health. That is the, the, that's my handle, Andrea Sarita Health. So I think it's an ampersand. Okay, cool. Yes. All right. Thank you again. And I will talk to you soon. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) The dog just came. (laughs) Thank you so much. Bye. 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 Thank you so much, Andrea, for coming on the show. You are an inspiration. And I know this story is going to give so much hope to people out there who may be struggling themselves or may be struggling with with an unrealistic ideal that they need to be perfect and 100% nailing it all the time and that their families need to be perfect and 100% nailing it. We're humans in this modern world surrounded by highly processed, refined, high salt, oil, sugar, fat foods everywhere we turn. And it's absolutely designed to be an addictive, confusing puzzle for all of us. So if you're 80, 70, 80, 90% nailing it, give yourself a high five. You're doing a great job. Get back in the saddle, but I'm a vegan, so don't ride a horse. Get back in the car. (laughs) 
And just keep doing your best. Connect with people like Andrea online. So remember to follow Andrea Sarita Health and Fitness on social media. The links are in the show notes. Just click on wherever you found this episode. Click on it and you'll get taken to the show notes. And you can find Andrea there and andreasarita.com at her website. And she has so many great programs and coaching services and fitness videos. And she's just a powerhouse, honestly. Andrea, I am so glad that you found a whole food plant-based lifestyle and tweaked it and tweaked it and tweaked it. And that's the thing as you listen to this, she had to keep tweaking. I have had to many of the guests that have come on this show, we have to keep tweaking it until it works for us. Because sometimes we start and we get, we just miss the idea about oil or we, we think oil may not be that significant. But as we saw from two episodes ago, when I interviewed Jackie Norman, and she was doing so well in her eating, but she was in chronic pain until she removed that oil. So don't dismiss oil as this minor potential nothing. Oil is really significant in many of our health journeys. And often we think oil is health promoting. It's a healthy fat. Add in, just do everything else whole food plant-based and you should be fine. But if you're struggling to get that weight to come off, if you're struggling with your chronic illnesses, check in with oil again and just try it without, try life without it for a week or two weeks and see how you go. Give yourself a 30-day challenge to not have the oil and see how you go. Otherwise, I love you all and I will see you next week. I've, we're in, back in lockdown at the moment. We've got six weeks of lockdown ahead of us or five and a half. No schooling for the kids, so it's challenging to get the podcast up and keep it going during this homeschooling period that we're now heading back into our second wave of coronavirus that's in our area here in Victoria, in Australia. But um, I will do my best to get episodes to you each week and uh, just be patient. I don't know if they're always going to be on time, but they, they will come out. So thank you for listening and, yeah, I'll check in with you again next week. Bye. Bags are packed. Are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier 